I will admit that all too many of my days in this life have been simply task management. Get out of bed in the morning to take the dogs out to do their business, eat breakfast because I'm hungry, get dressed because, well, nakedness isn't an option in public. I'm fortunate to be employed in a a job that provides a lot of built-in purpose. Still, there are plenty of days with lots of task management, emails, Zoom calls, sort through the mail, get more keys made because someone new just moved on to Queen Anne and they don't have a key to our church yet. (laughs) And days off don't necessarily have any built-in purpose. So there are far too many days when I don't even really think about the point of it all. Why are we here? Why do we keep going? In a very substantial way, the phrase from the Apostles' Creed that we're focusing on this morning answers both of these questions. The fact that we Christians believe in the resurrection of the body addresses both why are we here and why do we keep going. This phrase, resurrection of the body, that we believe in gives us purpose for each day and hope for the future. To understand the reality that this belief reveals, we have to go back to the very beginning of everything. And that's why I read that passage from Genesis. I won't read it all again because probably while I was reading it, you were going, How is he going to read the whole thing? But I wanted to get across the fact that it's all there. It's all there. All this stuff of this world was created by God. Even the the crazy creatures of the, the sea and the sky and the land and us, all of it was created by God. And we heard it over and over again. It was good. It is vital for us to grasp that God created everything in our universe, sun, moon, stars, galaxies, dark matter, every element on that table, oxygen, hydrogen, carbon. I'm an English major. I'm going to stop now. (laughs) But God created it all. And it was good over and over again that is affirmed. It was good because we humans, as a species, broke communion with God. We introduced death and decay into the substance of the things of this world, but the material itself, including our bodies, is good. In fact, our scriptures proclaim that the stuff of this life and this world will be resurrected to create something mysteriously new. Our bodies will be resurrected. There will be a whole new earth. How this happens, again, we can't fully comprehend it. We can barely comprehend it. But Paul assures us it will happen. 
I want to read again a little bit of that assurance that he writes to the Corinthians who were having a big argument about, is there a resurrection and and what will it look like? And how Paul says, I can't draw you a picture. I can't give you an exact understanding, but it will be like the plant, uh, the seed of a plant and how it grows, like I was saying with the kids. But I love the fact that he includes all of it. He says, you will notice, and, and, and this gives us again a hint about what we can do now, what we are a part of now that is a practice for the future. You will notice, if we are looking, the variety of bodies in this world is stunning. Just as there are different kinds of seeds, there are different kinds of bodies. Humans, animals, birds, fish, each unprecedented in its form. You get a hint at the diversity of resurrection glory by looking at the diversity of bodies, not only on earth, but in the skies, sun, moon, stars, all these varieties of beauty and brightness. And we're only looking at pre-resurrection seeds. This passage is filled with such profound images that everything that we right now see and hear and touch and smell in this world will be resurrected into the fullness of its glory. The wild, incalculable diversity that we see even here and now in this life and that we hear and touch and smell in this world is bland and minute compared to what we will see and be in the next life to come. Like that little dark brown apple seed compared to the tree and the fruit. And this glorious, mysterious life that grows from the material seeds of this world will include us and our own bodies. The foundation of our belief in the, all of it, the resurrection, and beginning with the body, is Jesus himself. They were standing around, sitting around, talking about how did did. Jesus really appear to these people? And then as they were talking about that, Jesus showed up and startled and frightened them, and they thought they saw a ghost. But he, he gives them his body to, to look at, to touch, and to feel, and to see. And he says specifically, look at my hands and my feet. He was pointing to the wounds from the cross to to say, I'm the same one. That's why we will somehow recognize everyone and all the ones we love. And I love the fact that Paul includes uh, in his letter about how animals are included in this. And one of the people I was reading was, oh, actually, there's a a reference to it later. but, But all that we see and love and enjoy, including people, individual people and pets, are part of what will be. Jesus says, look, it's me, the same me, 
but in a new way, in a new life, in a new body, because he just sort of popped up and appeared. And I love the fleshiness of this story. Go ahead, touch me, he says. He invites them. And then, okay, I can see you're still freaking out. You, do you have any food? Something for me to eat? Look, a ghost can't do this and swallows it. And they don't see it going down. It's normal eating. Jesus returned. <clears throat> excuse me. Jesus returned not as a detached spirit, but was resurrected as an embodied person. Jesus is the first fruit of the resurrection of the body. All the stuff of this life in this world was created by God, including us. And all the stuff of this universe is seed for the life and the world to come, including us. That means that even right now, all the stuff of this world is significant. Just as we recently saw when we were talking about the communion of saints, how our gatherings on Sunday morning are kind of like choir practice for the next life. So every day of life in this life is a rehearsal for what is to come. In a foundational document for the Protestant Reformation, the Westminster Catechism, the very first question is the big one we were looking at this morning. The way they pose it is, what is the chief end of man? They mean by that humankind. What is the, the purpose? As I said it, why are we here? And the answer is to glorify God and enjoy God forever. Every day we open our eyes is a day to do this. When we notice the cuteness of these two little dogs that we're taking outside to do their business, one brown, one white, and their excitement to get outside and sniff everything, and then seeing the neighbor's Great Dane and looking at the two little ones and thinking, being stunned by the fact that they're the same species. And yet there's so much variety, even within dogs. When we taste the, the chocolate of the protein bar that is breakfast or the, the coffeeness of coffee, I couldn't think of, I didn't want to use bitterness, but you know, it's just there's a coffeeness about coffee that just is its own taste. And when we notice the various textures and and colors and, and designs of the, the cotton and polyester that we put on our bodies and realize that all of this is from God. This is part of why we are here, to see it and to, to understand that this is a gift. Every day we have the opportunity as well to glorify God in how we treat our bodies, the bodies of others, and the stuff of this world, the material of this world. That is why we feed the hungry. It's why we shelter the homeless. 
It's why we plant trees or restore fish habitat. All of us, all human beings, this earth, it's all going into the next life. The way we treat each other and this earth every day is practice for what is to come. David Steindl Rost, who is an Austrian Dominican monk, puts it this way. This is what I was referring to earlier. He says, Beyond time, we shall find our friends, our relatives, our pets, and, of course, also those with whom we can't get along. So, better to make peace with them right now. It's practice. Our belief in the resurrection of the body gives us purpose for today. It also gives us hope for tomorrow. Without this truth, we have essentially two possibilities for what happens at death. Richard Hayes, a theology professor from Duke, explains one option. Rationalist materialism. From the point of view of rationalist materialism, a human being is nothing more than a complex biochemical organism, and therefore death is simply the end of that organism. The other option is some sort of disembodied sea of, of spirit. Again, Richard Hayes explains. Much of first century Greek thought under the influence of Platonism tended toward a dualism. The concrete physical world was seen as an imperfect, corrupted shadow of a non-material reality. And the body was seen as a prison for the soul. A standard pun equated the physical body, soma in Greek, with a tomb, sema in Greek, soma and sema, in which the true human self was trapped. In order to attain truth and freedom on this view, it was necessary for a wise person to transcend the realm of the senses and to become, as the Greek writer Plutarch put it, pure, fleshless, and undefiled. But in the Christian faith, we believe, as our Jewish relatives in faith taught us, that the soul and the body are one, that our personhood is embodied, and that when the time as we know it now ends, we will be resurrected to a new and eternal life as our embodied selves. One more from Richard Hayes. He asserts that the resurrection of the body gives us hope. The message of resurrection is the only true answer to the world's longing, the only true source of comfort in the face of death. Apart from the hope of resurrections, resurrection, our lives in this world are either random and meaningless or ordered toward death and decay. The gospel, however, declares that God will not abandon us and that we will be raised to a new life in imperishable bodies. In one of God's uh, delightful acts of providence or divine coincidence, just yesterday I came across a poem that I feel captures 
the heart of what it means for us to believe in the resurrection of the body. I wasn't looking for it. I'd already written most of the sermon. Uh, it just showed up. In an email, I get called Poem a Day. It's a poem written by a woman named Barbara Jane Reyes, and it's entitled Brown Girl Creed. And uh, it's called that because it echoes and personalizes the Apostles' Creed, of all things, that we're on, in this sermon series on. I told you it was this divine, divine providence at work. Towards the end of the poem, I just want to let you know that there's a reference to uh, some things I had to look up on Google. Capua uh, in the Kumares. Those are words in a Filipino dialect that speak of a deep bond between women, especially between women of the same family. Brown Girl Creed. I believe in my mother the mother almighty, mover of heaven and earth, creator of daughters and dinner, all that is always unseen. I believe in my mother, daughter of Dr. and Mrs. Pulmano, who dreamed an American dream, who suffered barely making ends meet, who suffered giving everything unto everyone, who suffered, died, and was buried, she descended into this American earth while wailing women recited novena. She ascended into heaven and is seated somewhere comfortable now. She's watching the Niners game now. She's wearing her Jerry Rice jersey. She's got a Diet Pepsi and a plate of Panda Express. She's watching reruns of Murder, She Wrote and Matlock if the game isn't going the way she'd like. I believe in my mother, in the most sacred of sisterhoods, in Kapwa with the Kumares, the forgiveness of fear, her transcendence from a tumorous body, her pink jasmines and rose bushes in bloom. Amen. As followers of Christ, we believe in the resurrection of the body. And that belief gives us purpose for today and hope for tomorrow. Thanks be to God.